Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. It mightn't always be obvious on a day-to-day basis that tillage farmers in Ireland have to compete to sell their grain on a global scale. Even though we don't export any grain and have to compete on an export market, our grain competes locally with imported grain at feed mills. Europe is one of the markets of which we compete against, and it's always interesting to get a view from a farmer who is farming in Europe. On this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Tim Bergen, a Dubliner who's farming in Poland near the Baltic Sea. Tim, you're very welcome to the podcast. Can I first ask you, Tim, whereabouts in Poland are you farming? So we, we farm on the Baltic coast, which is which is northern Poland, and we're one hour, one and a half hours west of Gdansk, and we're three hours east of Berlin. Okay. And how did you how did you end up there in the first place? Uh, well, long story. Um, That's okay. But... <laughs> Uh, at the turn of the century, um, there was a you know there was a good time to uh, before Poland joined the European Union was a good time to basically purchase purchase land in Eastern Europe. You decided to do that in comparison to I don't know extending your farming here in Ireland, or was there an opportunity to do it more so in Poland than there was here in Ireland? Oh, I mean, if 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 you go back to the the that particular time in Ireland. Um, Land prices were were crazy. I I don't know. I think you were talking ten thousand pounds an acre, and rising at that time. So, it was it was prohibitively expensive to to purchase land in Ireland. Um, as well, um, in our potato business, we were renting land and we were paying anything from from three hundred anything up to three hundred pounds an acre to rent land for potatoes. So. You could at that time you could come out to Eastern Europe and for the price of two years rent in Ireland you could actually buy land you could buy freehold land in Eastern Europe so um, that was one of the uh, it was the main reason actually. Well, I suppose you're you're, you're pretty aware it hasn't got any better in Ireland it's only, it's only got more yeah. expensive yeah. and uh, potato farmers are actually finding it um, even more difficult to get land now with the, the, the with the come trying to compete with dairy farmers so it's it hasn't got any better necessarily as well the infrastructure in ireland was terrible you were you were traveling around you know bad roads and traveling distances and uh probably planting too often on our own land you know the, our, our rotation was too short it wasn't good so um we we came out here to a part of the world where an awful lot of the land had never even had potatoes so as you're, as you're talking about your farm, what sort of uh, farmed area have you got? Is it owned and all rented? And maybe just to give people an idea um, as regards the comparison to Poland versus Ireland, what's the typical rainfall and perhaps what are the typical yields of some of the main crops that you're getting? Right. So all the land we farm is owned. Um, one farm, which is our home farm, is 660 hectares. And the other farm, which is about 40 kilometers away, is 500 hectares um the uh rainfall is quite similar to the rainfall that you get on the east coast of ireland um however we we tend not to get enough rain in may and june um, we tend to be a little bit short of rainfall in in may june period um typical yields um winter wheat we we can push it to well we can push it to 10 tons a hectare but eight tons a hectare would be more uh average um 
with and that would be a dried eight tons per hectare so that'd be a 13 and a half percent moisture and it would also be uh, bread making quality um oilseed rape is similar to to what you would get in ireland we we just aim for five tons a hectare we don't always get it but we need it um potatoes will yield slightly more per hectare here um probably because of the soil type and how would you describe that soil type is it is it deep rich loamy kind of soil or black ground or yeah with a high enough sand content but it's in general it's a it's a sandy loam um um in in recent years we we've brought the organic matter massively up in the soil so it's a at the moment it's it's almost looks like in places it looks like a fenland type soil okay and with those yields which are really good i mean they're they're, they're hugely um you know over that big area it's it's extremely good is it are you dependent on irrigation for some of it or all of it or what way does that work um we we have invested in irrigation as much as we can um with center pivot irrigation um we we kind of invest another little bit every year so eventually we'll probably have everything um irrigated we don't necessarily last year for example we didn't need irrigation but the year before we did so it's not um it's not totally uh we don't totally need irrigation we can survive without it but it definitely certainly for potatoes it'll bring the yields up by 10 tons a hectare and in in the area that that, that you're in um and i got a quick look at it just on google maps as much as anything else what is the type of farming you're doing is that the predominant landscape or is there a lot of forestry or grassland or what's What's the predominant thing around you? Not a lot of grassland. Um, it's either it's either tillage or forestry. It's it's um, there's quite a bit more forestry here than there would be in Ireland. Um, I think about somewhere between twenty and thirty percent of the land mass is in forestry, and the balance is predominantly in tillage. Okay, and when you look around again locally, you know, 20, 30, 40 mile kind of radius. So you, you say you're for, you're farming one one spot, which is forty kilometers away. Is your type farming system, is that, you know, in terms of your size, your management, that kind of thing, is that roughly speaking what everybody else is doing around there or are you very different? It's typical enough for this part of of, uh, of Poland. Um, this area is Pomorska where uh, the farms historically were big. Um, before the Second World War, this was Germany and the Germans had pretty, they they had a history of, of having large farms average farm size i think it was 500 hectares or something so not a lot has changed and in terms of the uh, the produce that you produce the grains um, and potatoes do you store it all locally uh, or is it more a, a merchant storage type scenario um bit of both really it just depends on the season you know if if um if we have capacity and and we think the price is going to go up we'll store it but mostly we sell it at harvest time dry it you know or clean it and sell it at harvest time but it changes every year it changes that changes every year you know i mean there was i think last last year i don't think we turned the grain dryer on at all and the previous year we had to dry everything so it's uh um it changes from year to year Okay, I, I suppose it does run into having uh, more machinery than, than than you would like. And and just talking about that, in, in terms of your farming system, um, your establishment system, if you like, which is probably the most costly, what sort of system are you running? Is it plow-based or min-till or what sort of a, a system is it? It's all min-till. Okay. Completely min-till. We haven't plowed, I think, in probably 15 years. And is that the same run for the potato ground as well? 
Yeah, yeah, we just we just go in and rip it. We we rip it with a subsoiler. That's all. Did he stone? Uh, no, oh. no. As in no stones, or just it's just that that kind of lovely land that you don't need to. Not do enough. It. Not enough stones. Not enough stones to justify. Um, we we may look at it in the future. We're going to probably grow more seed in the future, and and obviously with seed you're trying to remove the small stones. So we may we may look at destoning in the future, but at the moment we don't. And obviously, I mean, your setup is is, is quite big, and uh, certainly in comparison to Irish farms, on a comparative kind of scale, because you, you you talk about kind of small windows of getting getting things done in similarly to Ireland. Is is your machinery set up on a per hectare basis kind of similar to Ireland or is it bigger or smaller, do you think? Probably smaller. Um, it's still too much in my in my eyes. We still have to have way too much machinery, but um, it's probably smaller than Ireland. Um, for example, we just have one combine harvester for the for the 1,200 hectares um, and it, it, it manages it comfortably. We just have one tractor, which is 220 horsepower. Um, and we have four smaller tractors. So one, one 220 horsepower tractor does a lot of the main um, cultivation or, or, or planting. And in terms of staff and Tim, do you have a, a good lot of staff there helping you out throughout the year? or Seasonally, uh, yeah. I mean, at, at planting time and at harvest time, we have more staff. But through the year, um we we have um one mechanic um and three tractor operators and some office office based staff as well. Okay, and of course you're 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 running probably a, a larger business than just um farming in itself. You might maybe just just give us an idea about roughly speaking what you're doing in that. So um the biggest part of our activity is is in construction construction related um and service related activities and. I think the farm accounts for probably less than twenty percent of the of the entire business. Unfortunately, it eats most of the profit. But <laughs> she's uh, at that level, Tim. It's nearly getting into a hobby. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it occupies a, a, still because it's agriculture. It occupies a lot of your okay. time. And your um, potatoes obviously is quite a quite a large part of what you do in that. Um, what sort yeah. of um, potatoes do you produce and, and, and where, or what's the predominant kind of market or where are they sold into? Um, in our particular area or in this region, um, there is a French fry factory for McDonald's, um, which um, it's, it's a Dutch owned company called Farm Fritz and they produce French fries for McDonald's in this hemisphere. Um, and they would be the main buyer of potatoes. And I think, I guess that probably 80% of all the potatoes grown in our region, that would be saying in a hundred kilometer circle, 80% of those potatoes are for that factory. Um, so it's processing um, russet type potatoes um, for, the, for the French fry market. And then the other um, potato industry that will be in this area is uh, seed. This is a very, very, very good area for seed. And you, your own your own potatoes kind of both of those kind of go in those two directions, do they? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the last uh, in the last six or seven years, we we concentrated on the factory production because it's um, it's the least um, it's the least labor intensive uh, you know um, part of, of a potato business you can do is just to grow for processing. And in terms of quality, is it is it tricky to get that quality right or not so bad? 
really not so bad. I mean, the the varieties we use generally don't fail. Um, they 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 always seem to make a good a good frying quality. The the I don't know is it the soil or is it the weather we get, but we rarely fail to make um, um, frying frying quality. Tim, when you think generally about farmers around your area and uh, maybe in a larger kind of uh, radius, if you like, kind of around Poland or your kind of part of the world, um, is there a similar amount of winter cereals planted this year? And how are they looking in the spring, you know, after uh, their their, their time during the winter? In our own particular area, um, there would have been the normal amount of winter cereals planted, which, which is predominantly most of the tillage areas planted in the winter time are planted for winter cereals um the general consensus in our area was that the winter triticale did not survive the winter very well um and in a lot of cases it needs to be replanted but that's only local to this area um i i think most of central and eastern europe the crops came through the winter okay um but suffering now with a, a very, uh, very late spring and um, temperatures are still low. They're not predicted to rise until this weekend. So there's a looks like there's about three weeks of uh, growing season for the winter crops has actually disappeared already. OK, that's likely to have an effect later on in the year, I presume. Yeah, yeah. And spring crops, I mean, none of the spring crops are even through the ground yet. Nowhere. Are the planted, Tim? Are they all in? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much in. Um I was down in Hungary last Friday and in Hungary, the, the spring cereals had been planted six weeks and they still weren't through the ground. That was mainly because of drought, because of dry weather. So it's, it's, it's a late spring all over. It's a really, really late spring. And are you kind of waiting on some rain as well? Is, has it got dry with the, with the cold? Um, as well? No, we're not dry yet, but um, we expect to go dry in May and June. We expect that. We've good cover though, so we probably won't suffer from drought too much. Hopefully won't. Okay. Okay. Well, I suppose it's like every season in Ireland, there's a there's a lot to play for um, over, over oh, yeah. the coming uh, coming two months. I suppose it's the big ones. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think in general in Eastern Europe, you could you could start in in Central and Eastern Europe, you can say that the yields are going to be back. There's there's no doubt about that. Speaking speaking about which obviously if yields are back or predicted to to be back, um, prices are, are are definitely riding an awful lot higher this year than they have been for for some time. What way do you see it across in, in Poland? Are they being reflected reasonably well in that? Or uh, is uh, yeah, uh, lots um, of farmers over there, are they you know, participating in forward selling of grain? Yeah, I think a lot of people are, are forward selling or are forward selling a portion. Um, I think we've, we have probably forward sold a third of the, the predicted harvest at this stage. Um, and probably by June we'll have we'll have sold at least half of it. Um, so yeah, people are forward selling. Yeah, I think the you know every every the history of every year proves that once the combines start rolling and and the grain starts coming in, the prices drop anyway. Um, so that's why people are forward selling. But probably taking a long term view, probably all of twenty twenty one and into early twenty twenty two, there's there's no reason that prices should drop back. On that very encouraging note, as you'd often hear some people saying, we'll definitely end there. Um, Tim, thank you very much for your time. It's It's been great to chat to you and get a view from, from Poland and, uh, and Eastern Europe. Um, we'll we'll touch base with you again in, in, in maybe a couple of months' time again, or maybe towards harvest, just to, to get an idea about how it's going with you in terms of your own farm and and um, you know around your region. Um, it's always great to, to, to get that view. So thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you very much.
So that's it for the Tilly Judge this week. My thanks to Tim for joining us on the podcast. Don't forget the next episode in the series of crop agronomy webinars is on Tuesday, May the 4th. More details are available on the Chagas website at www.chagas.ie forward slash events. Don't forget, if you like the podcast, recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more farming news and advice, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.